2: Yeah.
0: a Friday, the last day of the week, and we've got the last two hours of the Dave Ellswick show for this week. It is pouring down rain here in Cabot. I'm at home today, and uh, it's pretty chilly outside. 41 degrees and, and damp in the air, and uh, I woke up about 3 o'clock this morning and had a, a really terrible sinus headache and took some painkillers. Now I feel, I feel fine, so uh, things are 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 going uh, going really well. Uh, Robert Steinbach will be joining us in a moment. He, of course, is our law professor, joins us uh, from uh, the uh, school of law over at UALR. We'll be talking to him. His opinions are his and his alone. Chris Corbett is with us on the line. He's from Conway. He's a practicing attorney here in uh, Arkansas, and his specialty. He is uh, in engineering, and then State uh, Senator Dan Sullivan has joined us morning. this morning as well. Good to have you, Dan. Thank you for joining Thank us you. here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Let's talk first about you. Uh, you were able to get some legislation through uh, relatively easy, uh, considering how tough it was for Stand Your Ground. You had, uh, you know, a, a really easy walk along the yellow brick road, didn't you?
3: <laughs> well i don 't know if you've seen the video yet but i wouldn't i don 't know that it was an easy walk, but uh, we did get through a very important bill
0: yeah let 's talk about that because uh you uh, have turned around and and uh, and made a very uh, you know, important to, uh thing to people to understand that that money that was taken from from businesses because they were breaking, quote, the rules during the uh, the uh, the COVID-19 outbreak here in the state, which we still got people, and then we've got the governor and the health department passing rules on us. Uh, that money is going to be returned, correct?
3: Yes, and you know, just kind of to frame it, historically, you know, early on when the governor first declared an emergency, uh we legislators asked to meet with the governor and he declined to call the, the legislature back into a special session he declined that several times at first he said he didn't have time then he, we he understood that there was an emergency uh rulemaking process and he eventually ended up saying that he trusted his people not the legislature he didn't say it that way but that's what he intended uh, then he called for a committee of the whole and the committee didn't come together uh, of course, the lawsuit, which you're a part of, was filed. So we've gone almost a year without any legislative participation. And the whole gist of the um, uh, Senate Bill 301 that passed yesterday was that if you're going to come into my district, you're going to punish or fine my businesses, that uh, the people that I work with, the people that I know. If you're going to do that in my district, then we should have a vote on that. And that's what the... Uh, other senators rallied around that point just to make the point that if you're going to punish people you're going to make rules or even rules that are safe and keeping people safe that we want to be a part of that process we care just as much as the governor does or the his staff around him but we want to be a part of that process that was the statement yesterday
0: well, that's good. Now it goes uh, from the state to the senate over to the house. How's it looking in the house? You got a, a co-sponsor?
3: Yes, uh, Senator Gonzalez. I'm sorry, Representative Gonzalez will uh, co-sponsor it. But you know, Dave, I hope you get a chance to watch the video. Uh, we had another outbreak yesterday, or another episode with a senator that uh, got quite lively. Uh, had to be was removed from the the chamber, in essence, by. Having the video feed cut off, uh, but the the several you know Senator Hendren and others uh, spoke that you know we one that uh, the the bill says that the this um, enforcement was arbitrary, and other senators tried to say well it isn't arbitrary, but we have the list of papers and the only people finding all this were small business. You don't see any big business you don't see uh, of course nobody at the Capitol was fined or nobody at the Capitol was stopped uh, but it was all small businesses and you know to say that this was was uh, uh was even-handedly uh, monitored is just not true and you know the the executive branch has the authority uh, is now assumed the authority and the power with the authority being to make law, the power being to enforce law. So the whole debate yesterday was not about COVID. It was not about health care. It was not about illnesses. It was only about whether or not the legislature uh, was going to be involved as a co-equal branch. And it was kind of amazing to hear people argue at all that we are not co-equal, that you know, things are so bad all the time that we can't be... Um, have some advice and have a particip- be a participant in this. So it's really an interesting uh, debate and to hear people argue the other side of that. I don't know how it will go in the, in the House. Uh, I know the governor is very opposed to it. Um, you know, One of the things they're, they're concerned about, and I talked to an official from the exec- executive branch, and I can't mention who that is. I'm afraid they would. Uh, this might cause them some trouble. Okay. So they said they really don't have a vehicle to return the money. Now, can you imagine a state government that doesn't have a vehicle or a system to return money to the people? Uh, it's just kind of amazing.
0: Well, wait a second. They send me uh, and they will be sending me a check to return on my tax money that they over overcharged me. Why can't they use that same vehicle to send that money back to businesses?
3: Well, I don't know. But, and, you know, the governor gave the Theater Squared up in northwest Arkansas, and Senator Hendren made the announcement there on one of their openings. He's, I guess, part of that, that the governor gave uh, Theater Squared in northwest Arkansas $2.9 million from the Rainy Day Fund. So we're going to give out money like that, and then to come and tell me they don't have a vehicle to give that money back is just astounding. The other thing Dan, is no Dan, how much
2: there? money is it, by the way? Uh, tell, tell the public, tell Dave's audience how small an amount of money the government is trying to hold on to, like they're gripping the sands at the beach and it slips through their fingers. How little is this money? They give away three million dollars to their opera house up there in Northwest, and we want to return a piddling to the citizens. Tell Dave how much money it is.
3: Yeah, probably, we don't know exactly, but probably under $60,000. Really?
2: Total! Yeah.
3: <laughs> Total, that's right. And, you know, a lot of the businesses were fine, just 50 or or $100, and when you look at the list, it's all small business. And, matter of fact, we have on tape the uh, one of the assistant directors at Department of Health, Dr. Delahaye. Dr. Delahaye, in testimony, because I asked her in committee, uh, I said, Dr., uh, are we targeting small business? Because when I look at this list, all I see is small businesses. And she said, "Well, no." And I asked, "You know, of course. So who else are you are you finding? Are you finding big business?" And you know, she said, "Well, no, we're not doing that right now. We'll take a look at that." So they're they clearly at targeting our small businesses.
0: This it just amazes me as you listen. To what's going on. See, this is a uh, the governor has made this a, a point that this is about principle, as far as he's concerned, that he has the right to allow government agencies to find people uh, without uh, law passed duly by you all. That he has the right to do that. 60 yeah, and grand, you know when, that's ridiculous. Yeah, and You know, if you come, when I was little, my brother and
3: I used to bat around a little bit fight a little bit we got into it but you know if my brother got into it with somebody else that was a big deal Uh, and I was with him and the same thing with the businesses in my community they may be uh, violating the law they may not be Um, but when you come into my district and you're going to be looking at them and punishing them or if you're going to be uh, setting safety criteria we asked when they started closing businesses at 11 we asked for the data you know, where's the data that shows this will be, uh, work and, and serve the intended purpose? And they had about a paragraph of a, a small study in Wisconsin, and they had one other sentence that said, by the way, there's another study that didn't prove this. But they were setting these rules as arbitrary, uh, capricious, uh, and enforcing them that way. Uh, and it's just not right, we need to treat everyone fairly and take every keep everyone safe and that's my duty also, but we can't do that when we don't have a voice or a vote.
0: Well, the state senator who got really, really animated it was did her last name start with an f yes.
2: It was a very flowery discussion. It was okay. All
0: right, you know, how how long is she going to be allowed to continue acting this way?
3: Well, the uh, you know the lieutenant governor, who is the president of the Senate, uh, called her down for that and asked her to ask questions in a you know in in a fair manner. And if she disagreed, you know, fine, but do it in a a polite manner. And uh, she actually called down the the president of the Senate, the lieutenant governor, uh, telling uh, him to quit gaveling and interrupting her. And at that, then the Senate, then uh, President uh, Griffin asked that she be, her mic be turned off. And at that point she was. I mean, people need to look, they can look at the video on the legislative website You know, it's up on my Facebook page, I think. I put it up late last night. But you'll be seeing and hearing about it. And it's just the way we're going to do business in our capital. Uh, Block the legislature from participation. And then when you get up in front uh, to talk about a bill, uh, try to bring some relief to our business community and safety to the people. It's about both. Um, When we do that and it it happens this way, it's really sad.
0: All right. See Senator Dan Sullivan with us. Uh, Rob Steinbach is here. Chris Corbett is here, although he's been pretty uh, quiet thus far. But we'll be talking to him in a moment as we continue here on the Dave Ellswick show. All right. Back with you. Evidently, the, uh, the, the debate on the floor yesterday dealing with this particular piece of legislation. Uh, that State Senator uh, Dan Sullivan was behind. The return money that was taken from businesses uh, without uh, any kind of approval for laws by the uh, legislature of Arkansas uh, got heated, and uh, one member of the State Senate uh, got boisterous and loud, and uh, other members as well were breaking into what he was trying to say. It was uh, was relatively, uh, how shall we say, uh, fireworks on the, the floor of the State Senate. But uh, the, the pro tem got up after all of this was said and done with uh, State Senator Flowers and ad- uh, uh, addressed you all. Uh, what did he have to say? Well,
3: Senator Hickey made a motion uh, that uh, Senator Flowers be removed from the discussion. She was you know connected online. Uh, and was involved virtually, kind of like a Zoom that she was in on. And uh, (coughs) Senator Hickey made a motion that she be cut off and removed from the meeting. So uh, that happened.
0: Um, He made a motion. The Senate voted that she be removed. So she was kind of censored yesterday is what you're saying. Yes, not kind of, uh, clearly. (laughs) Okay. You know, when you, um, you know, when Senator,
3: again, the lieutenant governor tried to regain control, uh, she got on to him for, um, you know, using the gavel. And, you know, the lieutenant governor has been very even-handed and uh, very... Understanding with people and you know warns people and asks for quiet. Uh, you know people are talking in the background. He'll often uh, you know ga- hit the gavel just to get people quiet and be respectful. Matter of fact, yesterday when another senator was speaking, he got uh, uh, very very clear <laughs> and pounded the gavel and said, "Folks, if you got to talk, leave the room and be respectful of the senator who's speaking." Uh, so and he's done that before. So for him to uh, Keep the proper decorum. He's made a great effort at that, and to challenge his willingness or our, our authority there in the Senate uh, this doesn't happen. I have never seen it happen, and it shouldn't happen.
0: Yeah, how difficult is it to have people part of what's going on in the well of the Senate, and they're on virtually? They're not there, uh, you know. Real, realistically, they're not standing there. They're I don't know, into pajamas at home in their living room or whatever. Uh, how difficult is that?
3: Well, you know, it's uh, difficult for the person on the Zoom call. It's not difficult for us there, um, and she's the only one doing that, Senator Flowers is. So it's not difficult for us. But I'm sure it's difficult for someone like her who's participating that way. Uh, but, you know, again, the the intimidation factor of going to the well and, you know, as I was yesterday, that's, you know, down speaking to the Senate and having people interrupt you, uh, you know, they'll ask you a question and you get two or three words out and they ask a second question or a third question. And, you know, I have been there before, so I can make that comment and say, well, do you want me to stop and give an answer? So it happens continually because they don't want you to have a chance to um, um, make your point and, or they disagree. And if they can ask the question and get you frustrated or, you know, get you off topic, uh, move you away, that, that's the attempt. And that's fine. But the meeting yesterday, this is all about separation of power. And I kept going back to that time and time again. And I appreciated those questions that allowed me and the people that voted uh, in the affirmative to make the point that the legislature matters, that there is, it is about the consent of the governed. It is about the Arkansas motto, the people rule. It is about all those foundational principles that we've talked about, the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That's what this debate was about yesterday. Uh, And I was able to make that point multiple times. And then, fortunately, we had 19 senators agree. And I think Senator Stubblefield was not there. Uh, He had a death in the family. He was gone so they, we had 20 senators who agreed that we want and need to be a part of the discussion. You know, Dave, there's no, this, there's, we don't know when this is going to end, uh, and understandably so. I'm not arguing it needs to end. I'm just saying we don't know, uh, and we don't know when it's going to happen again, and that point came up yesterday. And when it does, we want to be a part of the decision. And understandably, there's a, a right time for an emergency order, for someone like the governor to step in and take control. And I admitted that yesterday. I made the point that I respect what the governor's done. It's a tough job. We need a strong governor um, working on behalf of the people. But at some point, whether it's 30, 60, 90, 120, 300 days, at some point we need to bring the legislature in. That's what this debate was about yesterday. uh, And that will be the debate in the house coming up and I hope people will contact their uh, state uh, representative and talk to them about this, make their voices heard. All right, now
2: we're. Can, can I add a thought there, uh, Dave?
0: Yeah, quickly. Go ahead. And, and,
2: and I think that the senator uh, is actually uh, more forgiving, shall we say, more generous than I am. That should be of no surprise. Few people call me terribly generous. And that is the fact that <clears throat> uh, I believe in democracy above almost everything else. And so even during an emergency, uh, Dan says 30, 60, 90 days, we defer perhaps to the um, uh, governor. Uh, You know what I say? 5, 10, 15 days. I'm very reticent about deferring to a unitary authority for any extended period of time at all
0: okay with that in mind that's a good question and Chris I'm sure uh, will want to join in with me and uh, and Chris in the next half hour will we'll follow this up a, a little bit further can you stay with us senator uh, into the next half hour
3: yes I'm gonna have to drop off
0: about seven I got another conference call but I'll be glad to stay on until seven okay well that's that's fantastic yeah because that is that is the going question in my mind as this session began and now we're we're, we're more than halfway through. We've gotten Stand Your Ground through. We've got a few other bills through that uh, people said would be a little bit sticky. But the biggest sticky is going to be like with Kim Hammer, Hammer uh, in the Senate and Gassaway over in the House when we start talking about how long should an emergency be able to be called just from uh, the uh uh, the executive branch, and that really hasn't, other than this particular bill here, which I think deals with that. However, uh, does not deal with it in the way that I'm hoping that it gets dealt with, with the rewriting of of state law, saying, yeah, the governor has you know 60 days or 30 days or whatever to make whatever. Decisions that need to be made during a a really uh, big, uh, you know, disaster or whatever, but that the legislative branch has got to be brought in as quickly as they possibly can. Uh, Is is that being talked about in in the background right now? Are are people getting ready to get ready uh, for that? that discussion just give me a yes or a no and then we'll we'll yeah. flesh it out for everybody okay good and yeah. let's let's get ready for a break here we got news coming up uh, heidi can't wave at me frantically like she would do when i'm in the studio and rightly so because there are times that i get making a point that i lose track of time but uh, we'll we'll come back after the news and we'll talk further about this because I think this is the real gist of all of this uh, meeting that we've got going on right now is, is that going to change? All right, we're continuing here with uh, State Senator Dan Sullivan on the Dave Ellswick Show. Also with us, Robert Steinbach, who is a law professor over at the Bowen School of Law. His opinions are his and his alone, not necessarily those of the school of law or the university to which it's attached. And then we, you like how I changed that up, uh, Robert?
2: I, I brilliant as usual.
0: I covered that well. Uh, and then we got Chris Corbett, who's sitting up in Conway right now and uh, drinking his coffee as I'm drinking mine, and I, I probably <laughs> would think Robert's doing the same thing, uh, but we're all Indeed. talking and sitting here and discussing uh, how long do you allow the government, uh, and in this case the executive branch of the state government to have uh, full authority over the state about an emergency when you're approaching one year of that emergency and uh, evidently uh, state uh, senator kim hammer his bill will be coming uh, in into uh, committee uh, this coming week and we're going to start getting to what is the crux of the whole argument for me. It's the reason that I joined Dan Sullivan's lawsuit is that you can't just lock out the other two branches of, uh, of, uh, you know, the the government uh, for an inordinate amount of time. And I think that the, the governor has done that and, He's not even the one that's making the laws. It's the Department of Health. You know, I, I respect the Department of Health, and they, they, they are a valuable resource to the people of this state. But they're not the people who make the laws and shouldn't be making laws. And, and that's crazy. This is just just insane. So um, now the real, Steve, real, Steve. real debate is going to begin. begin. Was ever yelling at Dave, me, Go you ahead. don't
2: remember on the Saturday morning cartoons when they show you how a bill becomes a law that one of the elements is the Department of Health you don't remember that part
0: yeah I don't remember that point <laughs> yeah I don't Indeed. remember seeing that I don't remember singing that in the song you know what I'm saying exactly. in the school of rock that's not what I was doing Chris what do you think I mean you've been quiet you and I both have been talking out Consistently Yeah, over i, I this. tell you
4: what, I, I just wanted to hear Dan talk, because he's on the forefront of this battle, and he's battling basic principles. He's battling uh, the basic principle that whether or not the, the governor, as an executive, has emergency powers. He does, but it's limited. When this first came up, and I learned about it, and you learn about the Constitution in grade school, when you're sitting in law school and you're like, okay, equal branches, what does that mean? Well, here's the deal. If the Canadian Army decides to mass its troops off the northern border, okay, the president doesn't have to defer to Congress to send the troops up there. He has an emergency powers to send the troops up there, get the planes, the tanks, whatever, and then he needs to defer to Congress to declare war. Right. That's correct. So there's a there's a there's emergency powers and it's limited. So what happened here? Uh uh they, the governor declared emergency. There's a pandemic going on. People are afraid to die. They're afraid of you know, death. This imminent harm, imminent threat of a of a spread of a virus. So he declares emergency powers, and shuts down restaurants and. And he does it for an extended period of time, over and over and over. And then people get pissed off, and they file a lawsuit. So now they're in the judicial branch, and it was a terrible ruling, awful rulings, twice by Judge Wendell Griffin, one on the uh, the mask mandate, and the next one on uh, your lawsuit, the mask mandate. And then the next one was... Um, targeting restaurants after eleven PM because the virus blooms at eleven oh one like the gremlins if you fed a gremlin water after water the virus the virus blooms at eleven oh five p.m and restaurants have to shut down and then on top of that we got the Department of Health coming in and finding people all of a sudden all the restaurateurs, the small family restaurateurs are now the police. They're the police, they're an extension of the ADH and they're supposed to force their customers uh, to put on a mask. So a patron, a customer that's coming in to spend money with your business, and you've got to turn them away because they decide not to wear a mask. Um, and then we don't find the actual person that's been mandated to wear the mask. No, we find the restaurant. And then we put another scheme into place. Guess what? The fine is $1,000 per violation, but why don't you just accept this little $250 consent order, and then you can go along your way. Um, that's what's going on in reality right now. And we've got strong senators like Dan Sullivan, um, you know, getting a coalition together, strong leadership. Let's fight this in the judicial branch. Then we've got a, a terrible rulings coming out of a, uh, a liberal judge's courtroom favoring the executive branch. Uh, the, the governor should call um, them to now be able to. You know, set some rules now. Right. Uh, but he hadn't done that. It's all about the power, Dave. It's all about the power. And it's hurting the small businesses. And um, we're going to let the system work here. We're going to push it through the judicial branch just like you did. And Dan did and filed this lawsuit. So uh, it's going to take a little time, but it's going to work itself out.
0: Okay, so I want to no. jump. I want to jump right in here, Dan. And I want to ask yeah, you: sure. You're hearing the discussion behind the scenes that we're not hearing right now. This is what's driving me crazy right now. That I can't do what I've always done in the past when the general sessions around and done my show from uh, the Capitol. Have been over, you know, we've been Big Mac building uh, if we'd be doing it this year. But the bottom line is that we could keep our finger on the pulse of basically what everybody was was saying behind the scenes so what's being said about uh, hammering uh, his bill about you know coming up with some solid piece of legislation that says okay emergency powers we understand that but you don't get them you know in in infinitum you don't can continue to have them for a long long period of time
3: for sure and you know i was uh, i was surprised yesterday because i thought the uh, Senate Bill 301 would have uh, garnered much more support because to hear people talk, people talk about being in favor of co-equal branches. They talk about consent of the governed. They were elected that way. Uh, but now to hear the argument yesterday uh, and how many people voted against co-equal branches of government, how many people argued against the separation of power or voted against it surprised me. So, yeah, and that's one of the points I made yesterday. You know, Senator Hammer's bill may come up, but that doesn't mean it will pass. That just means we're going to debate it. And I think the senator has a good bill that I think, if I'm correct, limits uh, the emergency power of the governor for 15 days. And then he has to get approval by the the, both bodies of the uh, legislature. Uh, And then we promulgate every rule that comes out of that. So to give the governor the power to uh, have an emergency for 15 days, and then whatever things that he want actions he wants to take, close restaurants at 11. You know, we're going to find small businesses, but we're not going to find big businesses. He gets to be the one to decide what is uh, uh, essential business. You know, those should be uh, debated within the legislature, but are not. You know, who's essential, who isn't. Um, and I, I just don't know how that's going to play out after yesterday's meeting
0: I got to tell you i'm I'm very nervous about what I'm seeing in our country not only in the state of Arkansas but up in Washington as well yesterday the uh, parliamentarian of the Senate said that they could not include the $15 minimum wage because it did not meet the requirements of uh, the uh, reconciliation act that the senate themselves fashioned together and passed and the vice president of the united states came out and said well i'll just vote that down well that's the rule what what are you talking about you're you're just going to vote this down you know it's, it's a consensus of the senate you know, sit down and shut up, Ms. Vice President, for the simple reason you're overstepping your power. But she doesn't think so. And this is what's worrying me. I'm beginning to think that the Bill of Rights in this country is a, a bill of uh, maybes. Now, not, not rights, not inalienable rights, but if the government thinks you can do it, this is crazy. And, and the governor saying the same thing on a smaller scale, but he's saying the same saying people gotta understand that.
3: Absolutely. You know, this is no longer about health care. It's no longer about COVID. This is just about power. Uh and you know the governor I think is set to make a another speech today and I think he's probably going to extend the emergency uh, because the his last order I think ends on on Saturday or Sunday. So I fully expect him to come out and extend that order. I'm interested to see what we, if we loosen up or tighten up or what happens. But you're exactly right. This is only about power, and it's critically whether you, you know, and I agree with the governor on a lot of the things he's done I completely agree with. However, we cannot go down this road without co-equal uh, and representation. Uh, that's what this all is about, and I know the people in my district, uh, whether I agree with them or disagree with them, I'll be there to vote on, uh, vote on the issue. And as I said on the, on the video yesterday, or I'm sorry, in the meeting, you know, if we have a vote and I lose, and I've lost a few times uh, down there, if I lose, fine, I can live with that. Uh, I can come back uh, with a different bill or, or move along. But the important thing is the representative form of government that we have. And we are losing, the people are losing uh, ground on this every day. And if this doesn't pass through the House, I'll be really concerned about it. And if it does pass through the House, I hope the governor will sign it. And I look forward to having those debates as we move forward. All
0: right. So uh, State uh, Senator Dan Sullivan is here. The uh, legislative powers or the executive powers given to the governor, that was part of uh, a law that was passed back in 1973, 48 years ago. And uh, he keeps reminding us that he's only got the powers that he has because of what the legislature did. But the legislature, I'm sure, when they passed that law, you go back and I'd have to go back and read newspaper articles and things of that nature and hear what state senators and state representatives had to say. They were not giving carte blanche to, to the governor to hold on to that power for an unlimited time. I can't believe they'd be. You know that uh, that dumb. Let's just put it that way, because that would be a dumb. And that's why law you signed
3: that. on to the lawsuit.
0: Yeah, I mean that's just something people got to understand. Hey, when we come back, Robert, I'll let you jump in. You, I'm sure you've got some things to think about that. But consider for a moment: this was a law that was passed 48 years ago, and the governor is claiming that that law gives him un regulated power over the other two branches of government forever if he wants it. I mean, that's basically what it is, because you guys can't say it's not an emergency anymore. The judiciary can't say it's not an emergency. The governor says it's an emergency. We'll, we'll come back talk about this. 13 minutes uh, left here in uh, this hour State uh, Senator Dan Sullivan is with us. Don't forget about St. Clarity Residential Cleaning. Uh, they have their uh, certificates on sale for 50% off right now. Take advantage of it. Get your home uh, deep cleaned. If it's 1,500 square foot or smaller, it will only cost you, if you get a certificate, 100 bucks. And uh, if you've got a home that's up to 200 and between 1,500 and 250 uh, square 100 square feet, it's going to cost you 150 bucks. You can really get your home really really clean. We're not just talking dusting and vacuuming here. We're talking deep cleaning where they really get into your house and get things back into order and get things cleaned. Here's something else that they do at St. Clarity that other cleaning companies really don't zero in on they work with people who you know might have some you know mental things going on I'm not saying that they're crazy or anything I'm talking about they might have some uh, depression going on and maybe they don't want a a particular room cleaned because that's where their son or daughter uh, had their room and they've passed away and they don't want anything touched right now well St. Clarity's uh, residential cleaning will Ascribe to that. They'll leave that room alone. They'll make sure that that person doesn't have any kind of uh, emotional upset because of what they're doing as far as their cleaning. Talk to the group that really does it all. That's St. Clarity's uh, Residential Cleaning and call 404-6560 and get a coupon for 50% off of your cleaning for your home. More coming your way here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, we were eight minutes away from the top of the hour, eight minutes left with uh, State Senator Dan Sullivan. We really appreciate him uh, giving us the time because, you know, he's spending a lot of time there at the Capitol dealing with, well, you've been listening to this hour, you hear what he's been dealing with, and now State Senator Kim Hammer, uh, the spotlight is going to be firmly on him and his piece of legislation and uh, his taking Which committee will he be bringing this before, Dan? Do you know? Okay. Did we lose so, Dan? Did we, we did lose we Dan? Have... We made... I'm sorry,
3: yeah. Uh, Senator Hammer passed a bill through the Senate last week that said that a business can't be fined for non-compliance of a customer. Uh, that went nice. through with 35 positive votes. But now we want what? to run this bill, and it, and it won't. You know he can't get it through. But his the Senate Bill 379, uh, I think the number is, uh, will go before the Public Health Committee next week.
0: Okay, Public Health. Then okay, so it's going to be interesting. Who's the chairman of Public Health? Do you know off top of your head, there, Dan?
3: Um, God, I would have if you hadn't asked me, uh, Senator
0: uh, Bledsoe. Oh, Senator Bledsoe. Okay, we'll see what. And I'm has. on that committee also. Okay, so this is going to be an interesting uh, uh, debate, and uh, we'll see if we can get this bill through uh, that committee so that it can get to the floor of the Senate. And then we're going to see, I would have said that would have flown through uh, with the the amount of uh, unrest that uh, people have with the governor right now taking, you know, his powers and keeping them uh, for whenever he decides he doesn't need them any longer Uh, it's going to be interesting this is going to be an interesting debate that we're going to watch
3: dave i'm going to have to drop off here in a minute but people need to go watch the video go on the legislative website go on my facebook page uh watch the video it's better than anything on netflix
0: okay we will (laughs) i know better it's more exciting All right, State Senator, thank you very much. State Senator Dan Sullivan here on the Dave Ellswick Show. He's got other work that he's got to do better than just talking to us. But, you know, I I mentioned this was a bill that was passed back in 73, 48 years ago. And the thought process 48 years ago uh, was – Pretty interesting, to say the least. You, you've you been looking, kind of scanning that piece of legislation, uh, uh, Chris, and some things really jumped out real quickly at you, didn't it?
4: I'm on it. I'm, I'm on it, Dave. I just need a client now. The, the Second Amendment <laughs> of the United States Constitution says that a well-regulated militia, right, and yeah. the right of the people to bear, keep and bear arms shall not be infringed, and this Arkansas Emergency Services Act says it under paragraph 8, that the governor can suspend or limit the sale of firearms. I'm, I'm filing suit. I'm filing, I'm, I'm no, we're going to take it down piece by piece,
0: right? No, I'll, so I'll give it, I'll, I'll, send a, uh, I'll send out a, I'll send out a text to uh, Kim Hammer and see if that has been yeah. removed uh, from his piece of mm-hmm. uh, legislature. Now, again, I will say that I will not ask the perfect to move forward, but, <clears throat> This is still something that's got to be uh, dealt with, and there's some other things in that that we have to be sh- sure about. I mean, look, the the governor shouldn't have the right to deal with your firearms, or the right to deal with what you can sell at your store, or anything that you know, that's unless it. it's you know s- somehow you know is unhealthy for people, it kills people, or something like that. Your thoughts mm-hmm. on this, Robert? That that's pretty interesting that that is in that bill from 1973.
2: Well, remember the times, right? This was the time in which the Supreme Court paid little attention to the Second Amendment. It was the ugly stepchild of the U.S. Constitution, and a bunch of uh, lefty legislators every chance they had, would try to chip away at the right to bear arms. So, oh, we're going to regulate the health of food in a restaurant. By the way, no guns allowed. It was an amalgamation of non-sequiturs to eat away at Second Amendment rights.
0: Let me jump in and yep. tell, tell you that someone has just texted me uh, that says that the legislature repealed the firearm part when we took over the house under Governor Beebe,
2: fantastic! Oh, fantastic. Also, so
0: so that okay. that has been that was stricken. So we we we. This is what I like about mm. this show. A lot of people listen yeah. to this show because they know that we're talking about what's really really important here in the state, and they let me know, hey, we we saw that too, Dave. Don't think that you're the lone ranger here. Well, I don't. But the bottom nice. line is, uh, thank you very much for. Taking care of that, so uh, I'm glad to hear that. But I hope that uh, that uh, state uh, senator Hammer, you know, went through that with a fine tooth comb to to strike a lot of that other stuff out for this new piece of legislation that he is uh, trying to get the state senate to consider. But you know, the fight goes through the state senate; it will move to the house, and the house has shown a propensity. Uh, on some things to to be a whole lot more liberal, and uh, you know, fight against the First Amendment or the Second Amendment and things of that nature, uh, you know. And thus far, I mean, we saw how hard stand your ground, getting it through was. Right. it was tough. Hey, it was he's, really tough. He's right,
4: Dave. They 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 did take that one word out. They took that one word firearms out. I'm looking at the current version of the law now. They can okay. suspend or limit the sale. Of alcoholic beverages, explosives, and combustibles. So your listener is right on point. They remove the word firearms.
0: Okay, well, that they need to, is
4: unconstitutional.
0: They need to go back and question all those other things that he can take over as well. To be honest with you, all right. We, yep. and, and how long does that last? Does it? Does it have a time limit on it? Uh? Chris, that you can look at that's a, that's a good question um, I don't see a time I haven't read a time limit all right so there, it says there it from it. time
4: to time it says from time to time he can extend it
0: <laughs> yes there's there's the problem the problem is they never thought any governor would take it for a year we'll talk further right. when we return here on the Dave Ellswick show. Get into uh, the seven o'clock hour now here on the Dave Ellswick Show, one hundred one FM. The answer right here in uh, the Little Rock environs. And Robert Steinbach is here. He is a law professor at the Bowen School of Law. His opinions are his and his alone, and do not necessarily reflect the school of law, which I can tell you probably don't, since they're so liberal, and uh, nor the uh, school that they ascribe to. And then Chris Corbett is here, who is joining us. Uh, from up in uh, the Conway area, he's an attorney, and uh, his specialty is dealing with uh, engineering but has been getting more and more involved uh, in, uh, you know, our rights because here in the last, oh, 10, 20 years, uh, our rights have slowly uh, been eroding in this country, and it's starting uh, to speed up, and... Uh, We've got a guest with us today who's written a book. Isabella, thanks for joining us here on the Dave Ellswick Show. I had to look through my Booth's addled mind, uh, being 68 now, and, and remember what she was all about, and it's about the First Amendment. And it still amazes me, and I told you this, that I am fighting the same battle that I fought when I was 16 years old on a high school front dealing with the First Amendment and the ability to speak. Uh, it, its Now it comes from the left. Before it came from the right, which goes to prove my point, Robert, that I've always said when you have the extremes of the right or you have the extremes from the left and people listen to what they are saying, the extremists now, although I'm being now put into the area of extremism, the bottom line is you get totalitarianism and All the things that Biden and the Democrats attacked Trump about, they're doing right now. Under Trump, they didn't have razor wire around the the Capitol and and things of that nature. And we're going to talk about something that's near and dear to your heart, Robert, and that is you're a professor. You want to teach, for instance, uh, constitutional law, but they're not going to give it to you because you're a conservative. And the students are being indoctrinated with liberal gobbledygook left and right. And the, the, the left now doesn't even believe that the First Amendment uh, exists the way that it was written. And uh, so talk about this. Let's, let's go talk to Isabella. Talk about this. Our, our students on college campuses and even more so now in our high schools are, are, are being taught erroneous facts now, correct?
5: That is exactly true, Dave. And thank you so much for having me on the program this morning. I'm so excited to be joining some Arkansas legends here on Talk Radio today. But I want to paint a very clear picture for people listening just how bad the indoctrination has gotten on college campuses. As Dave mentioned, my name is Isabel Brown. I am a spokesperson for Turning Point USA, and I recently came out with my first book called Frontlines: Finding My Voice on an American College Campus this week. It's an Amazon bestseller, and people are really excited about learning more about what's happening in higher education. But I was never working in politics or even studying political science as a college student I was pre-med, and I was studying biomedical sciences at Colorado State University. So the truth is, the indoctrination happening on campuses today is not just an assault on conservative ideas, but it's an attack on American values, on Christianity, and even objective scientific truth. Even in my hard science classes like organic chemistry and physiology, we were more often than not taught a curriculum that went against scientific truth if it satisfied the political appetite of the day. For example, here are two sets of chromosomes, and you need to know this for your test. But a few days later, we were told, you know, gender's a social construct. There's actually unlimited numbers of gender. And I could come up with literally dozens of other examples that are found in my book. Uh, but it was so shocking for me as a scientist who chose the field of science to pursue objective truth, that truth is completely subjective today.
0: So how how did that chill you as far as saying things in class?
5: It can be challenging for conservative students to embrace the courage it takes to do something that used to never be controversial whatsoever and that's to raise your hand and tell your professor, I disagree. And this book Frontlines is really the untold story of the conservative student perspective, because we hear a lot about the craziness of the latest campus protest or a controversial speaker on campus. But truthfully, we don't hear anything in the national conversation about the student who invited a speaker to campus or runs a conservative club, or even doing something as simple as raising their hand to disagree with their professor, who ends up receiving failing grades on assignments when professors retaliate, they're threatened or harassed for being conservative or even worse. You mentioned Berkeley when we were chatting in the commercial break there. I have a friend at University of California, Berkeley, who was punched in the face by a leftist for just tabling on campus and and sharing conservative views with their community. So it, it doesn't seem all that controversial, but the backlash that these students received and what I lived through at Colorado State with death threats, threats of violence, My address being posted online without my consent just because I started a Turning Point USA chapter and wanted diversity of thought in my community is shocking, and these stories deserve to be told.
0: Well, we fought. Well, Isabel. This. Go ahead, go ahead, Robert.
2: Isabel, you know, you, you use a term that, that uh, I will sarcastically share with Dave's audience that I'm not familiar with. You say diversity. Of course, I know what that <laughs> means to the left. You know, that's the color of your skin, uh, that's your uh, uh, plumbing, shall we say. But diversity of thought, what's that about? I don't even understand that concept. Of course, I'm mocking that notion, but talk a little about that if you can. Why is that actually, in reality, the most important diversity?
5: Oh, you hit the nail right on the head there. And it is. It is the most important level of diversity that our society can uphold and celebrate. On college campuses, you hear the word diversity on average 3,000 times plus per day. It is everything that the left is trying to paint with this broad brush about what they want the college experience to be like. But when they say diversity, they don't really mean true diversity, including the stuff that's on the inside, things beyond our immutable characteristics like race and sexual orientation, ethnicity, for example. So instead, on college campuses, they want everyone to look different but think exactly the same. They're not interested in what college is supposed to be all about, which is expanding your way of thinking, challenging your perspectives, and maybe even changing your mind every once in a while. They want students metaphorically in lockstep, embracing leftism to the fullest extent possible, even in classes where you wouldn't think political ideology would have anything to do with the curriculum.
2: All right, well, we Isabel, get, Isabel, I'm, I'm suggest- sorry, you know I'm a, I'm a, you know, I'm a law school <laughs> professor, and I'm going to need to edumacate you a bit here because, obviously, you didn't get the memo. Uh, higher education is not, according to the lefties, mind you, a little bit more sarcasm for Dave's audience, is not about thinking and learning. It's about indoctrination. <laughs> it's about a re-education camp of the post-Soviet Uh, fascist, and communist, because they're essentially the same countries uh, that sprung up after World War II. So, you're... Idealism uh, has no place in the real world. What's the zip code there in utopia? Because teaching people to think? No, 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 no. That's not what higher ed apparently is about. What higher ed apparently is about is telling people what they must think, and there's only one version of that. How off the mark am I?
5: No, you're exactly on the mark, and that's so, so important. But I want to reiterate why that's important. Obviously, it's bad enough on college campuses. We don't want that environment in higher education, and especially for America's young people. But these crazy ideas that are dreamed up at universities, like socialism, the complete abolition of free speech... Infinity genders and everything in between, those ideas eventually graduate with students beyond the boundaries of campus and into the real world. So that's right. There is no zip code for this utopia of actual critical thinking that I'm talking about today because we're seeing this radical ideology seep into the halls of Congress into corporate boardrooms and America's streets as we literally watched the left burn down our country last year to fundamentally change our culture. They learned those ideas on their college campuses. So we are in the midst of a culture war that requires active participation from all of us if we want freedom to live on in the next generation.
0: Man, you're singing. My, we're singing from the same choir book. You stay with us for a second, Isabella. We're going to talk some more here on the Dave Elsick Show. We got to get a break because we got to pay for the pay for the bills. So we, we're going to do that right now. And uh, by the way, have you checked Amazon? Are they still allowing your book to be sold? They sure are. <laughs> well, that's good. I'm glad. Ryan Anderson found out if you write about things that they're upset. They they don't want like. Uh, uh, transgenderism they'll they'll take you right off of their website, and that's important when you're when you're out talking about a book because they got their fingers in publishing every. Where, So we'll talk about that when we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show as well. Don't forget about uh, David Lucas and what he's doing to t- teach you about retirement. If you're 40 years old, I'm going to use that as an arbitrary number right now. Could be younger, could be a little bit older, but the bottom line, around 40 – Yeah, you know, you you should have gotten enough of of an adult brain that you're thinking about what you're going to do when you retire. Well, you want to make sure you make the right decisions now so that when you retire at 65 or, in my case, hopefully at 70 uh, and maybe 75, I don't know. But the bottom line is you want to make the right decisions. And he's got a brochure out about uh, retirement at David Lucas Financial that asks 31 questions that you should be able to answer clearly and, uh, you know, in one sentence, basically. And if you can't, uh, you got to go back and, and look at those questions and address them because you could literally – put your retirement off the rails. Your train could be in the ditch instead of roaring down the track. So keep that in mind. Uh, give them a call at 501-222-3315. 501-222-3315. Be one of the first 10 callers today. You can call right now. You can get this absolutely free or go to their website, davidlucasfinancial.com. All right, back, back with you. Our special guest Isabel Brown. She's with Turning Point USA. She's got a book out. You need to be reading it so that you can know what's going on uh, out there as far as uh, freedom of speech. Look, the, the Second Amendment was passed to protect the First Amendment and all the things that were in the First Amendment. I'm just be honest with you. And uh, all of that is under relentless attack now. Here in, in our country. And uh, you who are parents that have children in public schools, uh, you got to get involved with your school boards and, and stop this. Uh, when you get ready to, to, to decide where you want your child to go to college, uh, you need to be looking at the colleges and, 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 you know, do they have areas that, you know, are fr- just little tiny areas where you're, you're free to speak your mind? Uh, and it's like in the far northwest corner of the of, of, of an open field somewhere. It's just it's crazy what's going. We've stopped that here in Arkansas, by the way. But it's crazy about what's going on. And Isabel's talking about that. And Chris, I know you got some questions for Isabel. Go ahead.
4: I do. I'm sending five copies of her book to my daughter's sorority up there. She's been listening to this liberal instruction, and she brings home these ideas, and we have discussions over dinner. And um, it's just baffling to me how how she's been indoctrinated into this liberal instruction. So you uh, t- you make her, you, it
0: well. You make her take off her brown shirt when she comes home. Then right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> go, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry.
4: Yeah, well, I just think it's fantastic, and and our, our our young men and women in the colleges are are battling these these ideologies that are being promoted as fact and truth, and when really, uh, yeah, they're they're there to explore uh, different ideas and not be shut down for having a different idea. Isabel said that um, one of her friends was punched in the face. You know, yep. that, that's violence. That's blood on the ground. If you're punched in your face. For, for uh, talking about an idea, that's a problem. You know, um, that's, it's that's a big problem. That's
0: not not a problem. Yeah. It's a big problem.
4: Mm-hmm. And that's where we've got we've come to this cancel culture. This uh, your idea uh, needs to be shut down and shut down violently. She's on the forefront here, and it's I think I think it's fantastic. So you've had her
0: on a show. I'm yeah, literally yeah. I'm sending five
4: copies of the book right now.
5: Boom. You gotta, lo- you well, gotta thank
4: love.
0: Thank you that. very much. <laughs> so, Isabel, I got I gotta ask you: Are we at the apex of this now? Has this reached uh, the point of being that you know you start off with a blemish on your face, you got a grounder, right, and it's there, but you can't do nothing about it? Has this come to a head, so to speak, and now we can lance the sore and maybe drain uh, the infection?
5: You know, I'm not sure if we have hit that climax and that critical turning point for lack of a better term there i guess pun intended for our college campuses but there is some hope that i want to give to your listeners as we're chatting about this this morning and that is that students have now taken on a much more active role in fighting for the culture that they live in on campus to be rooted in american values to uphold free speech to encourage that ideological diversity we were talking about. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that Generation Z, which is my generation, Americans born in 1997 and later, has been proven to be the most conservative generation our country has seen since World War II by several national polls and surveys. This is a big deal that nobody's talking about because young people are supposed to be automatically leftists, as we saw with millennials a few years before us. So students are starting to speak up to fight in this culture war, to stand up for their rights. But at the same time, college administrations and faculty and professors are digging their heels in even more with some of these insane, radical leftist ideas. So I think that back and forth is going to continue, at least for a few more years on campuses. But we're experiencing something very unique in 2021, thanks to all the regulations with COVID-19, that's sort of a pause and an opportunity to reevaluate everything in education from kindergarten all the way through college. And I think this is a unique opportunity for us to evaluate what's working, what isn't working, and what we can do to change it.
0: All right. That, and, and that's good. I mean, I'm I'm happy that that's happening, although I'm not happy that they had to do it the way that they're doing it with COVID-19. Right. But uh, because that has in and of itself attacked our basic, you know, Bill of Rights left and right and has battered it uh, something terribly. Is it bothering you that you're watching Uh, People in our country not fight back. I mean, I'll be honest. I thought my I'm a baby boomer and we fought wars over over this kind of stuff. And it's as if they don't want to fight anymore. And I'm stunned by it. I, I refuse to stop the fight. I'll I'll fight to the day they throw a shovel full of dirt in my face when I'm in the ground.
5: Well, I'm right there with you, Dave, and I think that's such an important piece to talk about today, that everyday Americans, every single one of us, have to get involved actively in this culture war, whatever that looks like. If it's over COVID-19 regulations, if it's over the culture on your college campus, standing up for free speech, or whatever you're passionate about, to uphold the American way of life. We can no longer be apathetic about this stuff, because that's what we're seeing today, as I mentioned in the last segment, with these ideas dominating congress and corporate boardrooms and everything in between i see an active participation from young people especially right now and i think it's taken time i was certainly frustrated to the same degree that you were about six months ago not seeing enough people stand up and fight back against some of these crazy restrictions and laws across the country but Now I'm starting to see the relentlessness of young people to say, enough, we're done with these rules and regulations. We're going to fight back. We're going to stand for the things that we believe in. And it's time for us to fight for that actively by using our voices. So I think in the next few weeks and months, we're going to be seeing many, many, many more Americans from all generations and all walks of life starting to get up and fight for the things they believe in again.
0: All right. Well, I've got to let you go because we're running out of time here. Rush is coming up in just a moment to do his morning update. And Robert, I know that you're excited to hear Isabella, and Chris, you're excited to hear her as well. She's fighting for, in uh, for the youth of our of our country, and that's what I'm and and you guys are fighting about. You know, I'm not fighting for myself anymore. My I'm on I'm on the downhill of my time on Terra Firma right now, but. Uh, you know, my kids and my grandchildren, uh, I want them to have the same rights and the same opportunities I had here in this country, and uh, I'll keep fighting until the day I die to make sure that that happens. Isabella, what's the name of the book again? And they, everybody can get it on Amazon. Uh, what, what, what's the name of the book?
5: The name of the book is Frontline, Finding My Voice on an American College Campus. You can get it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and pretty much everywhere else books are sold. And thank you so much for having me on the program this morning, Dave. It was a pleasure.
0: Appreciate it, Isabella. hope to catch you at one of the, the the, the, the you know, big conservative wing dings. I didn't get to go to CPAC this year, but that's just uh, the way it works out. Thank you very much for your time. i got Rush coming up, guys. Robert, thank you for joining me today. Chris, thank you of for course. joining me today. And uh, we'll get together again next Friday. I'm sure we'll have things to talk about.
2: Say have a day. good one, we'll guys. We'll do. Take care. We'll God talk to you later.
0: Max Smith's coming up. Hey, there's a new Blade movie that's being made. We'll talk about that. There's a new uh, Spider-Man movie that's coming out. I'm going to tell you about that. And we'll talk about other things uh, as far as uh, the silver screen goes when we continue on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, 25 minutes till 8 o'clock on a Friday morning, and we're into the last segment of the Dave Ellswick Show, or the last two segments of the Dave Ellswick Show for this week. It's been a good week. Had a lot of guests on this week, and uh, we'll have a lot more guests on next week. And if you missed Isabel uh, Brown, uh, in the last half hour, go back and listen to the podcast and hear her uh, talking about the attack of freedom of speech on college campuses. But uh, she gives a really nice uh, end to that interview with saying there's a light at the end of the tunnel, and we can uh, you can hear that as well. Uh, she did a fantastic job. So when we finish up on Friday, we always finish up with our best guests. And that's Matt Smith. Matt Smith is with us. He's from all of the VIP cinemas here in central Arkansas. And you were talking about the governor uh, during the time uh, we talked between segments, uh, Matt. And you're pleased with what the governor has done.
1: Well, I mean, in general, you know, I pretty much despise politicians. And, you know, you know that and And I feel like uh everything they say is either stupid or a lie. Right. I mean that really doesn't matter if we're talking about you know most local governments from most towns, most city councils, most mayors uh you know, or if you're talking about somebody in washington d c But that being said, if you look around the United States, you look at the different states, the different cities, you look at what's been happening across the country, and for that matter, you look around the world. Asa Hutchinson has done a remarkably good job. He has, he has done a good job of trying to control the pandemic, try to keep the, those, those virus numbers down, uh, try to keep people from getting sick. He's tried to do that as well as allow businesses to bring in a couple of dollars so people don't go bankrupt. Now, it's a tough balancing act. You know, absolutely, but I mean, you haven't had the stupidity of you know. Look at Cuomo. I mean, just shoving people back in nursing homes to get them killed, and then you look at um, you know, you look at uh, California, yeah, you, um, do so. you know, and and the lockdowns there. And I mean, I, I hope this isn't true, but I mean, recently I read that forty-five to fifty percent of small businesses in California won't make it. So I mean, it, that is just that's just horrible. That's extraordinary. And when you look at Arkansas uh the 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 california estimate is 45% the national estimate is 35% but in arkansas it's only 25% so if you look at the bloodbath of the economy around the united states and around the world uh, arkansas is much much better off okay. um so i mean I, I i think the governor has done a, has done a wonderful job you know and 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 it's just it's just he got it right and you look around at stupidity you know like i don't know take pine bluff arkansas for example they don't have any water Right. But they've got a brand new library that they issued millions and millions and millions of dollars in bonds to build. Right. right. They don't have a reliable water system and, and, and they, they don't have enough police officers. They can't fund their police officers. They don't they don't have enough cops in town. They can't pay them. They can't hire cops. But they've got a brand new swimming pool that they issue millions and millions of dollars in bonds for. And, I mean, the mayor in that town and the city council had to get behind that. What's the thinking behind, let's build a new swimming pool and a new library, but forget the police department and, and the water department? It makes no sense, man. So, yeah. you know, when you look at the stupid stuff politicians do, and then you look at Asa Hutchinson, I mean, what a win. I, I mean, agree. we've we've really been we've had a great person to be our governor during this pandemic. There's no yeah, other way we, to look at it.
0: Well, we we uh, we give the governor a lot of guff here on this on this show about uh, things like uh, you know making sure that all three branches of the government have have says in what's going down and uh, changes are being made uh, so we don't have that problem in the future. But we've all said that he has done a good job. He, he's not done well, a bad job. I,
1: I, I'm not saying that it was perfect. It's never going to be perfect. I'm just saying look around, look around anywhere, and name me someone, any of the 50 states, or for that matter, I don't know, a clown in Canada, wherever you want to look. Name someone that is in a position of authority like that that has done a better job than Asa Hutchinson. Now, I'm not saying everything the guy's done is right. I'm not saying he's batting a thousand out there, okay? Right. I'm saying compared to the stupidity we've seen around the world in the past year, I mean, we got a great governor.
0: All right. Let's uh, let's move on. Let's talk now about what's going on at your theaters, theaters and hot springs here in Little Rock at Riverdale Ten, up in my uh, hometown of Cabot with Cabot uh, VIP Cinema there, Hot Spring VIP Cinema, Searcy VIP Cinema, then up in Batesville as well the VIP Cinema uh, there as well. You got some good movies showing this weekend, and you got a great family movie. If you haven't been able to get your kids out and you want to go out as a family, uh, head out to one of the VIP cinemas and, and catch the new release this weekend of the uh, cartoon Tom and Jerry, correct?
1: Yeah, that's great. It's from Warner Brothers. It's out today. It's PG. It's good for the whole family. Tom and Jerry, you can catch it at all five of my movie theaters. You know, check us out at Riverdale10.com. Uh, you can go to any of the websites. If you're in Cersei Searcy, it's CerseyCinema.com. Up in Batesville, it's OldsVIPCinema.com. Down in Hot Springs, it's HotSpringsVIP.com, and of course in your hometown, it's CabotVIPCinema.com. Or make it easy: go to Riverdale Ten, click theaters. They all pop up, and you can look at the one you want to look at. We've got candy for a dollar, movie tickets on Tuesday. All tickets are just five bucks. We have some three-dollar nachos, a lot of discount popcorn specials, a lot of lot of specials and discounts going on right now. Be sure to sign up for the email newsletter got a lot of good movies playing tom and jerry's on uh we've yep. got nomad land which is expected to be an academy award nominated motion picture that's playing uh still playing wonder woman 1984 we still have news of the world with tom hanks the marksman with liam neeson the little things with denzel washington crude's a new age pg for the kids still playing Land with Robin Wright Penn, wonderful cinematography in that film, that's on. Monster Hunter, based on the video game, and of course, I know you enjoyed it, Dave. I did. That's still playing. Uh, We have Minari, which was uh, written by an Arkansan, and the movie is set in Arkansas with parts of it filmed in Arkansas. That's still on the screen. And we have the new Jodie Foster film, The Martinian That is playing, and it's up for two Golden Globe nominations. So check all that out at Riverdale10.com. And, of course, next week uh, on March the 5th, we have three new motion pictures coming out. We have Chaos Walking from Lionsgate Films. Uh, Also on March the 5th, Raya and the Last Dragon from Walt Disney Pictures. And from Focus Features on March the 5th, we have Boogie, which is a movie about a guy Uh, trying to be a great basketball player, and he's Chinese. There's a nice little twist to that film. It's a good little drama. Three new movies on the 5th. So be sure to check all that out at Riverdale10.com. And, yes, bring the kids out for Tom and Jerry for sure.
0: Well, March is going to be a real big month for uh, cinema. There's a lot of big movies opening up uh, in March. Why don't you deal with the rest of the month?
1: Well, The Courier is going to be out on March the 19th. Cumberbatch is in that film. I know you like him. Uh, he does a great job in that movie. That's out March the 19th. And we got a cool movie March the 26th called Nobody. And uh nice little actioner, you know, from uh, from Better Call Saul. Got his own series, a spinoff of Breaking Bad. That's our star in Nobody. Uh, they moved that movie up to March the 26th, and it looks good. It's a nice action picture. It's kind of a revenge thing that he's got going on there. Um you know, kind of, kind of a little death wish type spin to it, uh, in in somewhat of a darkly comic way. Um, I I think it's great. I think people want to check that out. Of course, that's March the twenty sixth, and then you know the big one uh, is going to be uh, Godzilla versus Kong, and that is going to be March the thirty first. So three really, you know, three really good films coming up from the middle to the end of March, in addition to the three movies we have on the fifth. So, um, yeah, take a look at those. I mean, that's, that's a wonderful, wonderful thing that's happening. Uh, we are finally uh, going to have movie theaters in New York City reopening on March the 5th. Uh, They're going to be able to reopen in New York City with uh, certain restrictions on their ventilation systems and their air purification, their air filters, of course, masks, social distancing, things like that. They're going to be allowed 25% capacity in the building, uh, no more than 50 people in each auditorium. uh, But it's a start. uh, That's going to happen March the 5th. And it will be one year that movie theaters in New York City have been closed. Wow. So, yeah, they get to open up March 5th. And I am hoping that California will soon follow. And if California follows that and Los Angeles and San Francisco are allowed to open uh, shortly thereafter, then the uh, number of movies being released to cinemas will increase. That will help open up the spigot, get some stuff coming out of the pipeline. We really do uh, need that to happen. And when they open, I can—I think you can expect some changes. I do not think that A Quiet Place 2, for example, from Paramount, which is a built-in franchise, uh, it's a hit movie, it is in the can, it's ready to go. Uh, there's no way they wait until Labor Day to release that film. Uh, that movie will come out before then. And I think as we see um, those California theaters get open, excuse me, get open right in there behind New York. We'll see more movies moving up their dates. I think that'll change things. And if if California can get open like it's supposed to and Walt Disney Pictures leaves Black Widow, the Marvel Universe movie, uh, theatrically exclusive on May the 7th, then we're back. That's right. the day. And we're about eh, 10 weeks out from that.
0: All right. Well, let's call. Let's uh, let's talk when we come back. I, there's another movie that's being released. I'd like you to mention. Jason Statham has a new movie coming out called, I think, Wrath of Men, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, we yep, can you talk. bring
1: that up every week. And man, as soon as I get a date
0: for that, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna yeah.
1: I'm gonna be ready to talk about it and discuss it. Just yeah, don't I know wish. when it's gonna be out.
0: Okay. I, I wish that they would would give it a release date. And then uh, let's talk about movies that are being prepared. Uh, I'm going to bring up some names, and then we'll talk about them when we come back. Jeepers Creepers, for people who are monster movie fans, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about a new Spider-Man movie with Tom Holland, we'll talk about that. And they're getting ready to relaunch Blade, the Wesley Snipes uh, actioners, but... Wesley's not in it this time, so we'll talk about that when we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Matt Smith is our guest. He is the, uh, the man who runs uh, the Searcy uh, VIP Cinema, the Cabot VIP Cinema, the Riverdale Cinema down at the bottom of Cantrell Hill. You've got the Hot Springs uh, VIP Cinema that he runs as well. And then you get up in Batesville and you get the Batesville. VIP, the Oaks up in in Batesville. We'll talk more with Matt when we continue here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, I need to pass on to you as well that PI Roofing is ready to get out to your house and and help things because I'm going to tell you what, if you got a leak this weekend, there's going to be a lot of water falling from the heavens. They're saying that overnight tonight we may see as much as an inch and a half of rain. Uh, if that's the case, if you got a little leak, uh, you could end up with some discoloration on your ceiling and things of that nature in your home. You don't want that to happen. And before you get to discoloration in your house, remember, it's gone through the shingles. It's gone through the felt that that water has. It's gone through the plywood on top of your house. It's gotten into your, uh, uh, you know, insulation. It soaked that, got through that, and then has gotten on top of or in between of your uh, uh, drywall and is starting to make its way through. So a lot of damage is already being done. You need to address it before more is done, and you start getting that point where drywall starts caving in and stuff. You don't want to go there. Talk to the folks at PI Roofing, 707-3551. That's 707-3551. They'll deal with your insurance company. They'll help you afford that whole legal battle as well, and they will help you make sure that uh, your roof is protecting you from the elements. You can also reach them online at piroofing.com. All right, we have uh, eight minutes till the top of the hour, so I got eight more minutes with Matt Smith here, the uh, main potentate of all of the VIP cinemas across central Arkansas. Let's talk about some movies that I. Uh, I try to keep my fingers on uh, the pulse of what's going on in the future, the pipeline, so to speak. And I read, uh, I was really excited because I really like the horror franchise Jeepers Creepers. The last movie, not so much. The first uh, uh, two movies, I really liked a lot. So let's talk about that. They evidently went ahead and they've already filmed it. Now, the guy who was behind the initial three uh, has been canceled out from being in the, the new one that the relaunch that's going to happen. But that's a pretty strong franchise. You know, it's a, it's a horror franchise that the first two, three weeks that it's at the theater, it draws some people in to watch it.
1: Yes, I there is a lot of movies that have already been made and they're just ready to go. Like you and I have talked about before, there is a big movie of of note, of name, something people will be familiar with and want to see. Uh we get to have one of those every Friday for eighteen months straight. Wow. Year That's and a half incredible. once they yes, once they start <laughs> releasing films again. So, you know, those movies are out there. They're they're definitely ready to go. But uh, the good thing about the change in the entertainment landscape is we're going to have more movies made than ever before. And as these legacy studios move into taking content directly to the consumer, they can bypass uh, the cable system. They can bypass a uh, satellite TV provider so that um, the, the content goes from the studio onto the studio system To the home entertainment provider, you're going to see more and more and more movies getting made. This is going to cut somebody out, and that's the uh, cable or satellite people. That's going to get you more movies greenlit, more movies made. And then your top-tier great motion pictures uh, are going to be released in movie theaters, which has always been the tradition. They're going to continue to do that. And uh, uh, you'll see those other films showing up on those legacy streaming services it cuts out cable, it cuts out satellite. That's the goal of those studios. Um, you know P- uh, Paramount, for example, uh, they uh, they want to make a movie like Mission Impossible. They want to put that into a movie theater for three or four months, and when it's finished, it's the theatrical run uh, you know three or four months down the road. then they want to put it on the paramount streaming service that's right and that that cuts everybody else out. That's the goal of these studios. I think the consumer out there. Uh, misunderstands what's going on, um, the the uh, studios want movie cinemas to exist. The studios want home entertainment to exist. What the studios don't want to do anymore is make a product, put it in a movie theater, and then license that product to somebody else. They,
0: yeah, they don't want, want to, want to cut, lose money. They want to make more money.
1: They want, yeah, they want to cut out Comcast cable, DirecTV, uh, you know, DISH People like that. That's who they want to cut out. Uh, So, you know, here's this movie. You can leave the house, go watch it at the movie theater if you're a movie-going person. Uh, And some people really are. That's what they want to do. Uh, Or you can watch it at home, but you're going to have to watch it from their service. There will be a lot of exclusivity to that. That's what's coming up in the future. That's what you're going to see. That's where they want to go.
0: All right, so um, yeah. so let, let's talk about some other movies. We talked about uh, Jeepers Creepers. That's a that's a low budget horror franchise that they didn't expect to do much, but it turned into something of of some real caliber as they went along. I think the three movies have made close to two hundred billion dollars. Not two hundred billion two two hundred million. No, that doesn't seem yeah. right. Yeah,
1: two hundred million but, is doable. You know, yeah. it's 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 a return on investment thing uh not not everything you know has to be a home run uh if you've got a low budget on a film and it becomes popular and generates some box office and some home video following then it's worth doing not every movie you don't spend you know, you know spend two hundred three hundred million 300 million dollars making a movie what if That's you just right. spend 30 million right? right so you know if you've got you know if you've got 10 times less expenses 10 times less revenue is still profitable and there, there's a lot of that, and you're going to see that, no doubt about it.
0: Okay. Uh, Spider-Man. Tom Holland announcing that uh, the new Spider-Man movie uh, will be coming out this summer, evidently. So they've been filming, and mm-hmm. uh, or were filming, and then stopped, and now are re- again. continuing mm-hmm. yeah, again. Yeah. So we're going to see that come to the theaters. That's yeah. big news. And yes. uh, on top of that, the Blade uh, uh, the series is got a new one that's being uh, a reboot. Wesley Snipe's not in it, although I hear that he might make a cameo. But right. uh, that's been a pretty successful.
1: That uh, is a franchise that is ripe for a redo. Yes, I agree with you there. And you know those options are going to exist. I mean, when you look back at, hey, they're going to make a new Miami Vice TV series, man. Yeah, <laughs> you know? and they're going to bring they're going to bring back they're going to have new people and they're going to bring back original cast members. And so you're going to see more of that as the uh, as the the hunger for that entertainment continues to grow. Uh, you're going to see people that that do that. I mean, as you and I have talked about before. Uh, generally, the people that uh, go to movie cinemas the most also subscribe to the most home entertainment. Mm-hmm. It feeds each other. If movie going is your thing, you go to the movies and you watch movies at movie cinemas, but you also watch movies at home. You don't watch NASCAR. You don't watch golf. You don't watch baseball. You know, movies and TV series are your home entertainment, not sports or reality shows. And so you'll see that continue to grow. It's it's a uh, it's a circle that feeds each other. All
0: right, we've got two minutes left. Uh, let me talk about something that's been on Netflix. I know you you watch Netflix at times. I came across yeah. and I've been I've been binging on Babylon Berlin. Have you watched that? I have not. It's great. It's about the time the Weimar Republic, the time between world war ii and adolf hitler and the fascists and it is fascinating to say the least and uh to say that there's a lot being said about that time that is going on right now in our own time is kind of chilling to be honest so babylon berlin check that one out there uh, uh, Matt, and then right. I'll see you I'll see you next uh, Friday Hey Thanks man, so much Riverdale
2: for com. Come see us
0: Alright, thank you Matt, we appreciate you That wraps it up for our week of uh, broadcasts here on 101.1 FM The uh, answer again, let me just tell you Babylon, Berlin uh, Might not be everybody's cup of tea but it has uh, some really serious history notes and they did a nice documentary series on the Night Stalker That was really well done as well. I'm out of here. I'll see you again on Monday. The power panel will be in, and we'll get it underway at 6 a.m. Have a great weekend. Go see a movie. I'll see you again on Monday morning.